Three weeks ago, I shared some insights from Dr. Henry Cloud on the impact, the significant impact this pandemic has had on our sense of connectedness, our routines, our structures, our ability to do things that we feel we're good at, and also the uh, limit on being able to process some of the hard things that which we have experienced. To a greater or lesser extent, the pandemic has adversely affected every one of our lives. A little over 13 months ago, we left the normal that we had known for years. We are yet to see whatever the new normal might look like. And so like a boat leaving a familiar shore, heading for a new land, it's not been easy. The water has been choppy. At times, it's been really rough. The mist has obscured our view, and the compass at times has been spinning. It's just been confused and not really able to give us a very clear sense of direction. We're in what is called a liminal space, a between place. We've left solid ground, and we hope to soon find new shores, but we are at sea. Without the clarity, we long for as we try to work out what the future might look like. Now, having said that, as uncertain as we may feel about whatever the new normal might be, we can have certainty in some things, certainty in who God is, that he is good, that he's with us every step of this journey. And we have some influence in shaping what the future might look like. The choices we make now will influence what our life will be like as we come through this. Something which has been really evident during the past year is that the pandemic has accelerated things. It's been an accelerator. Trends and things which have been happening slowly have been accelerated. For instance, a few churches, especially in the US, but elsewhere as well, were already doing live streaming of their Sunday services. But when restrictions meant we couldn't meet physically together, uh, all the decisions and the plans to enable people to join us without actually coming to the building here, uh, which would likely have taken us many years to make, they happened in a few days. Today, I want to share some thoughts on how we can respond to those things that have been accelerated by the pandemic and look at how we can shape the coming months and the coming years. So as we think about the pandemic being an accelerator in various areas, let's take a look at four which come to mind which the pandemic has influenced. The first is division. In society, we see political division. We see it here, but especially in the US. Oh my goodness, where friends of ours tell us that families are hardly speaking to each other over who they voted for in the recent presidential election. In recent years, we've seen the rise of cancel culture, where individuals and even companies are ostracized when they express a view that others disagree with. Increasingly, if people disagree, they don't want to listen to each other. And this is compounded by the way that social media and other online platforms personalize content. And they use algorithms to ensure that our feeds show us things that are similar to what we've looked at before. And what happens is that it creates an echo chamber where our own ideas are continually reflected back to us. And so each of us see content which is tailored to reinforce our view and to hide from us information which people who vehemently disagree with us are being fed, which of course further polarizes opinion. And we saw that powerfully during the Brexit campaign. 
I remember a couple of days after that result, walking in here into this auditorium and people coming and expressing their concern that their families were in massive conflict, simply not understanding how one family member could intelligently vote differently to another. A year ago this month, we witnessed the awful killing of George Floyd, a key moment in history highlighting an issue that has the potential for division. In society, some, will, some people will say, at last, at last, people are waking up to the injustices of racism. And others will say, what's all the fuss about? You know, I don't think racism is an issue at all. The publication of the Sewell Report from the Government's Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities a few weeks ago concluded that Britain is no longer a place, quotes, where the system is deliberately rigged against ethnic minorities. And disparities are more likely to be the result of other factors, such as geography, family, socioeconomic influences. And that has upset many people, black people especially, as they feel it doesn't reflect the reality that they see. And others, having seen the brief news coverage on it, may conclude racism is no longer an issue in our country. I've read reports on the report, though not the report itself, and while I'm therefore not... Uh, in a sufficiently informed position to fully critique it, I do share the concern many of my racially and ethnically diverse friends have. And I do believe that though advances have been made in recent decades, racism is evidently still an issue in our country. Even when a report is produced with the aim of progressing racial equality, it has the potential to exacerbate division. And as we as a church engage with addressing this serious issue of racial justice, the steps we take may solicit different opinions. The pandemic has surfaced conflicting views on not only how the government has handled the COVID crisis, but within the church, how we've handled it. At some points in the very same week, we've had feedback uh, with people saying the church should be holding in-person gatherings and... The next email says, the church should not be holding in-person gatherings. We knew that that would be the case, and we've done our best to carefully make decisions, but we know that some will disagree, inevitably, with the decisions that we have made. So division, first of all, has been accelerated. Secondly, loneliness. Loneliness was already an awful reality, but COVID has multiplied it. Some have described it as an epidemic of loneliness. Stay home, protect the NHS, save lives was appropriate because of the crisis we were facing. But that stay home bit was so hard for so many, especially people, single people living alone. We haven't been able to see friends or family. Some have had to grieve alone. Funerals have been held, perhaps with a handful, some family and friends excluded. And even when we have been in the same place, the same space, we've had social distancing. We are social beings. We're designed to touch and to hug and to be physically near other people. And for us, being with other Christians, worshipping together is a lifeline. You know, or small groups, such a rich sharing of life. And these things just stopped 13 months ago. Thirdly, we've seen an acceleration in the area of consumerism. So retail was already 
changing and uh, brands which were planning well ahead were establishing an online presence, suddenly a vast percentage of retail was online. And sadly, many physical stores and businesses struggled or even went out of business. Amazon sales exploded. They reported a near 200% rise in profits since the start of the pandemic. And you can see why. It's so convenient. You go to your phone, search, compare the best deals, click, 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 and it's delivered to you within hours. And then streaming services like Netflix mean that everything's available now. And even the church is being streamed. So, you know, I can shop around for what I like best. You know, dip into a few churches around the world. It's all on there. You know, I can watch it when I feel like it. Uh, maybe at the kitchen table, conversing over it while I'm making a meal, I'm being distracted. I can fast forward the worship set, which doesn't kind of do it for me. You know, I can turn off the sermon when it gets a little bit challenging. And even as more of, a, more of us come here to the warehouse on a Sunday, consumerism, we need to be aware of it is a trend in our society that is accelerating. And it may not be far away. We can come, we can enjoy the worship, the, the helpful talk, hopefully we can get prayed for, perhaps consume rather than contribute. And finally, the pandemic has accelerated us re-evaluating our priorities. Some things in lockdown we want to keep, some things we want to leave behind. So in the keep pile, Focus on relationships with friends, with family, uh, relatives. If we have children, then perhaps time with our immediate family. We discovered that, that we perhaps lost it, and that's very important to us. Or extended family, friends, and not just on a computer or a phone screen, but you know, we long to see people face to face. And so we want to go and spend time with people perhaps around the country. That's been restricted, but we realize how important it is for us. And then in the lose pile, there will be hopefully things we may have realized, well, how busy perhaps life had become. And we don't want to go back to the busy life that we had pre-COVID. We could do without some of the habits maybe that we adopted or emerged during lockdown, like binging on Netflix box sets. Those of you who were homeschooling were probably thinking, well, I'm happy to leave homeschooling behind. I'd love those wonderful teachers to take back on my children's education. So how might we respond to these, these things? Division, loneliness, consumerism, and reevaluating our priorities. How has God designed the church to be the answer to the questions they raise? So let's begin by just briefly looking at a passage which talks about the church from the Apostle Paul, it comes in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2. We're going to pick it up here in verse 19. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations, sorry, the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He says, we are part of God's new community. But we're more than citizens of a country. We are 
We are members of his household. Some translations use the word there, family. We are brothers and sisters. We are mothers and fathers. We are sons and daughters. So there's this strong bond. There's this family connection. And then Paul moves the analogy on to building a temple with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Cornerstone is the first stone laid in a building. It's of crucial importance to any building. It's part of the foundation. It holds the building steady. It sets where all the lines of the building are going to go. And we are held together by Jesus, built together, joined brick on brick into one organic whole where God in his temple is manifestly present. Many years ago, with the help of my two sons, I laid about 600 bricks. My hands stopped working in the process. And we built this, our conservatory, with the two low walls that you can see, and then there's a 12-foot by 9-foot wall between us and our neighbor. And we quickly learned that getting the mix of sand and cement and water in the right proportions and properly mixed was crucial to the strength of the wall. And as the building takes shape, all the separate bricks on the pallet become one. All separation is eliminated. Now, you don't buy bricks on their own. You know, it's nice enough, I suppose, but it basically looks like a rather dull block of baked clay, an individual brick. But together, they can become something really quite beautiful. And like bricks, we are not designed to be Christians by ourselves. So what does this mean for the four things I mentioned that COVID has accelerated? Let's look at division. Just a few verses earlier in that chapter, Paul talks about the dividing walls of hostility being broken down because we are one. The church is to be a place where differing opinions don't divide us, don't build walls between us. Hostility has no place in the church. Jesus said, they will know that you're Christians by your love one for another. And the church is to exemplify unity in diversity. We're not all supposed to be the same. We're not going to think the same on all sorts of subjects, but we are called to be united. And where there is unity, there the Lord commands his blessing. Church should be a place where we can hold very different views from each other, but where we are committed to disagreeing agreeably. In our interactions with others, inside and outside the church, we would do well to consider our contribution to being peacemakers rather than division stirrers. Be aware of what we post on social media. Be careful and humble with our opinions. Perhaps there's someone you may feel right now in conflict with. You might want to consider reaching out to them, maybe, maybe apologizing where appropriate or at least having a connecting conversation. What about loneliness? Psalm 68 verse 6 tells us that God puts the lonely in families. That doesn't just apply to particularly lonely people. It's actually God's design for the church for all of us, the family of God. Single, married, divorced, widowed. The church is to be a family in which relationships can be intimate and life-giving. The church has the incredible potential to meet the need we all have for connection. If you're feeling a bit disconnected, let me encourage you that the church is a key place 
for you to get connected again. Invest in that for yourself and also for the sake of others. Let's all consider who might be feeling isolated, who might be feeling lonely, and reach out to them. Maybe invite them over for a meal, maybe have a coffee with them. And not just in this season, I'd love us to be very deliberate about investing in connectedness into the future. And if it's okay to repeat what I said last time in my talk there, invite people beyond your circle of friends, people who are different to you, different racial backgrounds, different ages to you, different all sorts of things. And I promise you, it is a really, really rich experience to have a meal or to have a coffee or to have a drink uh, with people different to yourself. And then consumerism. Well, the church, Paul says, is a household or a family. And in a family, everyone plays their part. So when a parent says to a teenager, you're treating this place like a hotel, that's not a compliment. You know, this indicates something's wrong with the way this is working. When you stay in a hotel, the room's clean, the bed's made, someone cooks you the choice of your cooked breakfast delivered at the time that you ordered it. But a hotel is devoid of relationship. In a family home, we don't leave the towel on the floor and expect our bed to be made and our cooked breakfast served at the time that we expect it. In a family, we each play our part. And likewise, church is not something we go to, it is something we belong to. Be very aware of the natural temptation to dip in, you know, and take what you want when you want it. We might ask ourselves, am I thinking about church as a place or an organization that I am simply fed by? Or am I contributing to it being what God designed it to be? Am I treating it like a hotel or like my family home? A temple, as Paul describes it here, a temple with bricks missing, holes in the walls, is clearly not as God designed it. Another analogy that Apostle Paul uses is the church being like a body. And so if, say, the big toe decides it's not going to function, it's not going to play its part and do what it's designed to do, the whole body is impoverished. The whole body can't balance, it can't walk in the way that it's intended to without that toe. Our contribution is vital to the church thriving as God intends. And then reevaluating our priorities. It's, it's a good thing. It is a good thing to take stock, you know. This is a moment in history when we can look again at what is important to us. Many of you will be familiar with the lesson that a professor once gave uh, and demonstrated to his class about prioritizing first things first. And it involved a jar, some rocks, pebbles, and sand. And he took the jar and he put rocks in first until it looked like it was full. And the rocks represent our main priorities. So for us, that would be relationship with God, uh, living as a committed disciple, family, friends, health. And then he put in the pebbles, things like work, school, household tasks, areas of service in our church or community. And they, they trickled down and they found their way into the gaps between the rocks. And then there was still room for the sand, which trickled into all the remaining gaps. And that represents all the other less important stuff that's going on in our lives. And the lesson was that we need to get our priorities in and we need to do it in the right order. If we start with the sand, we're likely to find all sorts of lesser priorities just filling up our life, a lot of our life, leaving little room for those things which are actually most important. 
If you've had a slower pace of life through this pandemic, as some of you have, not all of us, but life will rapidly fill up. And unless you put the rocks in, there'll be plenty of pebbles and sand doing their very best to fill your life back up in a less deliberate manner. So as we consider things like engaging on Sunday, it's worth asking ourselves, what do we want to do regarding Sundays? What, what life pattern do we actually want to have? Since I was a child, my parents' life habit was that every Sunday we would be in church, except there's very rare occasions or, you know, like being on holiday. And uh, in two months' time, Debbie and I would have been married for 38 years. And our assumption when we got married was that attending church weekly is a normal part of a committed Christian life. And so with few exceptions, like holidays, we've been in church pretty nearly every Sunday for those 38 years. Now, for the last 33 years in pastoral ministry, it's generally been twice on a Sunday because we've been working. But even if I wasn't a pastor, worshiping together with my church family on a Sunday would be a high priority for me and my family. You might be thinking, well, you know, I've not been to church physically for over a year, and I quite like watching church when I want to, uh, without even maybe having to get dressed. For you, think about, think about what you want to do. What was your habit before COVID? Do you want to revise that, review that? And ask yourself, what does it mean for me as church begins to open up again? And what about our involvement in the life of the church, like small group? No one at Trent, as far as I'm aware, has been to a physical small group meeting for 58 weeks. Now, some have met up with uh, a few group members outside. I heard last night some groups have met perhaps six together outside and then others have been present on a Zoom call and they've actually begun to meet. That's tremendous. Maybe you've attended small group on Zoom. Maybe you haven't attended small group on Zoom. And you may think, well, I've managed okay without going out on a weekday evening for this long. Do I really want to commit to doing that in the coming season? There have been benefits of online small groups. It's enabled uh, both members of a couple, it's enabled single parents to be able to join in, and there may be ways of retaining some of those positives with some sort of hybrid between online and physical. But generally, being in a small group is going to involve physical gatherings. What about serving in an area of ministry? Well, many of our Sunday areas especially uh, had to stop. Some of you have served in the last few weeks as we've uh, begun to hold in-person gatherings again here. And I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you who have been involved in doing that. But most of the rotors haven't, functions, uh, haven't functioned for over a year. And you may be asking questions about, why do I serve? Why was I serving? Why would I want to serve? I'd encourage you to listen to John Bodley's talk two weeks ago. You may find that helpful in answering that question. Some of you might be asking questions like, why would I want to go back to giving my time to serving in an area of ministry? Well, we don't have rotors and areas of ministry for the sake of it, to keep people busy. We do it because of the contribution they make to changing the world. Ultimately, that's maybe an overstatement, but consider the impact of your service. The areas of ministry in the life of the church facilitate people far from God coming close to him and those close to him growing in their faith and their effectiveness in the extending of God's kingdom. As you consider your own service, as we make as we make space for more people, that's more adults, more youth, more children, returning to in-person services, that can only happen if people are willing to do the work involved. 
Now, there are times when some family members can't contribute in the way that they normally might, and they need other members of the family to pick up some of the load. And in the same way, we realize that some of you will be unable to uh, serve at the moment for a whole variety of reasons. As some of you are looking at re-evaluating your serving commitments, you realize that actually you were doing too much. I can think of some of you who probably do need to cut some things out you know, of what you were doing, but that would not apply to most of us. In the coming weeks, we'll be communicating that more volunteers are needed to help in areas like Trent Kids, on Sundays, in Compassion, and we would really love it if you were able to respond to that invitation when it comes. Particularly worth mentioning is that if you have gifts in media and production, we would really love you to sign up. We'd love you to sign up now, actually, to join the production team. It would be very helpful if large numbers of you would go to the serving link, that's trentv.org forward slash servant. Either let us know that you're willing to pick up what you were doing before COVID, or let us know that you would be willing to serve on a team, and you can select areas on that. So as we head towards whatever the new normal might look like, can I encourage all of us to consider the four areas that we've looked at and ask yourself and indeed ask the Lord how your life might contribute most fruitfully in the coming season. So how might you be a contributor to unity rather than division? How might you facilitate connectedness and combat loneliness? How you might be a contributor rather than a consumer, and how you'll prioritize the most important things as the new normal begins to emerge. So as we cross these choppy waters, as we head to whatever the new shore looks like, and indeed as we begin to take our initial steps onto the, the soft sand as we walk up the beach and head towards more solid ground, let's be very mindful, let's be really intentional about the choices that we're making.